Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at the top of that screen, you'll see a drop-down for a lesson sign-up. And should you so decide to subscribe, a copy of the daily lesson and the text reading for the day could be sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is about, um, well, it's every day, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about uh, 11 in the morning. Well, actually, 10.15. And after the recording ends, we do have an after call where we continue to discuss whatever comes up. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call, well, I already said that. <laughs> I'm going to get organized. Um, today we're reading from Chapter 1, Section 1, Introduction to Miracles, Paragraphs 82 through 91. That would be Miracle Principle 50 and the first half of 51. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 10. My thoughts do not mean anything. And by way of opening this morning, I found this beautiful blessing in a book by Pierre Prattervand called 365 Blessings to Heal Myself in the World. And it goes like this. May I so still my emotions and even hopes that I may hear in the deepest access of my soul and feel the truth of your most amazing statement of all times, of any belief system. Quote, my child, you are ever with me and all that I have is yours. And in the stunned silence of my listening soul, May I hear your last comment, and that is how much I love you all. My thoughts do not mean anything. Amen. Amen. That was a real gift to me this morning in light of today's lesson. Beautiful. Thank you. Oh, good morning, Robin Marie. I can be on the list reading. I sure will do that. All righty. Excellent. Okay, here's our reading list then. We have Lemoyne, Charles, Jessica, Donna, Diana, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Judy. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning and be on the reading list? Good morning, this is Sandra, I can read. Oh, great, thanks, Sandra. Okay. So, once again, we pick up in Chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles, beginning with Paragraph 82, Miracle Principle 50. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. In the longitudinal or horizontal plane, 
The recognition of the true equality of all the members of the Sonship appears to involve almost endless time. However, the sudden shift from horizontal, horizontal to vertical perception which the miracle entails introduces an interval from which the doer and the receiver both emerge much farther along in time than they would otherwise have been. Lemoyne. Okay, Miracle Principle 50. The miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. In the longitudinal or horizontal plane, the recognition of the true equality of all the members of the sonship appears to involve almost endless time. However, the sudden shift from horizontal to vertical perception, which the miracle entails, introduces an interval from which the doer and the receiver both emerge much farther along in time than they would otherwise have been. Thus, uh, excuse me, the miracle thus has the pro- <laughs> more try. The miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. The miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by the underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Charles. Thank you. The miracle thus has the unique property of shortening time by rendering the space of time it occupies unnecessary. There is no relationship between the time a miracle takes and the time it covers. It substitutes for learning that might have taken thousands of years. It does this by underlying recognition of perfect equality and holiness between the doer and the receiver on which the miracle rests. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it and thus abolishing certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger larger temporal sequence it establishes an out-of-pattern out of time interval, which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in this sense is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time, much as daylight savings do, time does. It rearranges 
the distribution of light. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Jessica. Thank you, Lori. Um, Miracle Principle 50, paragraph 84. We said before that the miracle abolishes time. It does this by a process of collapsing it and thus abolishing certain intervals within it. It does this, however, within the larger temporal sequence. It establishes an out-of-pattern time interval, which is not under the usual laws of time. Only in this sense is it timeless. By collapsing time, it literally saves time. Much as daylight saving time does, it rearranges the distribution of light. Miracle Principle 51. The miracle is the only device which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Paragraph 85, Miracle 51. The miracle is the only device which man has for his immediate disposal, at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. 86. The miracle is much like the body in that both are learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of direct communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. While he believes he is in a body, however, man can choose between loveless and miraculous channels of expression. He can make an empty shell, but he cannot express nothing at all. He can wait, delay, paralyze himself, reduce his creativity to almost nothing, and even introduce a developmental arrest or even a regression. But he cannot abolish his creativity. He can destroy his medium of communication but not his potential. Thank you, Donna. And Diana. Good morning. Um, uh, Paragraph 86. The miracle is much like the body in that both are learning aids which aim at facilitating a state in which they are unnecessary. When the soul's original state of communication is reached, neither the body nor the miracle serves any purpose. While he believes he is in a body, however, man can choose between loveless and miraculous channels of expression. He can make an empty shell, but he cannot express nothing at all. He can wait, 
delay, paralyze themselves, reduces creativity to almost nothing, and even introduce a developmental arrest or even a regression. But he cannot abolish his creativity. He can destroy his medium of communication, but not his potential. Uh, Paragraph 87. Man was not created by his will, his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his to decide. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. Time can waste as well as be wasted. The miracle worker, however, accepts the time control factor gladly because he recognizes that every collapse of time brings all men closer to the ultimate release from time in which the Son and the Father are one. Thank you, Diana. Mm-hmm. And Robin Marie. Eighty-seven. <clears throat> Man was not created by his own free will alone. Only what he creates is his to decide. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. Time can waste as well as be wasted. The miracle worker, therefore, accepts the time control factor gladly because he recognizes that every collapse of time brings all men closer to the ultimate release from time in which the Son and the Father are one. 88. Equality does not imply... homogeneity now when everyone recognizes that he has everything individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary when the atonement has been completed all talents will be shared by all the sons of God God is not partial all his children have his total love and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Quote, except ye become a little, as little children, unquote, means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Sandra. 88. Equality does not imply homogeneity now. When everyone recognizes that he has everything, individual contributions to the sonship will no longer be necessary. When the atonement has been completed, all talents will be shared. Uh, Let's see. All talents will be shared by all the sons of God. God is not partial. All his children 
have his total love and all his gifts are freely given to everyone alike. Except you become as little children means that unless you fully recognize your complete dependence on God, you cannot know the real power of the Son in his true relationship with the Father. 89. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is acquired by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creations of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be a new reader for 89 and 90? Good morning, it's Karen. Thank you, Karen. 89. You who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. You never really wanted it before, so there was no point in being told how to achieve it. No learning is acquired by anyone unless he wants to learn it and believes in some way that he needs it. While the concept of lack does not exist in the creation of God, it is very apparent in the creation of man. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. It involves the recognition that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you are in. Until the separation, until the quote separation, which is better, which is a better term than the quote unquote fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. A behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. Thank you, Karen. And do we have a new reader for 90 and 91? Narrator for 90 and 91. 
Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Until the, quote, separation, which is a better term than the, quote, fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that man had no needs at all. If he had not deprived himself, he would never have experienced them. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. <clears throat> All behavior is essentially motivated by need, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. The belief that he could be better off is the reason why man has this mechanism at his disposal. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy, in turn, depends on his perception of what he is, that is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. This sense of separation would never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth and thus perceived himself as lack. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because, having made this fundamental error, he had already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one according. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Charles, if you'd like to complete today with paragraph 91, please. Thank you. Each one acts according to the particular hierarchy of needs he establishes for himself. His hierarchy in turn depends on his perception of what he is, that is, what he lacks. A sense of separation from God is the only lack he really needs to correct. A sense of separation would never, would ne never have occurred if he had not distorted his perception of truth, thus perceived himself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because, having made this fundamental error, he already fragmented himself into levels with different needs. As he integrates, he becomes one, and his needs become one accordingly. Amen. Thank you, Charles. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning. Um, to highlight, I think I'll just, just place a little emphasis on the two miracle principles that we're talking about today. From paragraph 82, principle 50, the miracle is a learning device which lessens the need for time. And principle 51, the miracle is the only device 
which man has at his immediate disposal for controlling time. Only revelation transcends time, having nothing to do with time at all. And with that, the floor is open. Thank you. This is Charles. I'd like to go over the paragraph 88 again because I'm sure for some of us that word homogeneity threw me off. <laughs> so I looked it up in the dictionary. It means quality or state of being all the same or all of the same kind. And when I read equality does not imply homogeneity now. Uh, but recognizes he has everything. Individual contributions to sonship will no longer be necessary. Um, so that sort of um, equality is not does not. So um, he seems to be equating equality as our level of understanding versus the all-in-all level of understanding. My understanding of what's being shared here, but I thought I'd share what I discovered about homogeneity and, or homogeneity because that's a brand new word to me. So thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thanks, Charles. I appreciate that. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate that, too, very much. Good morning, Ms. And what really caught me was man was in chapter, it was in paragraph 87. Man was not created by his own free will alone. So even though I'm made in the image and likeness of God, um, and I made the decision to uh, see what it was, see what kind of experience I could have through separation, um, God was still there, present as my creator and creating a way back all at the same time, all at the same time that I made the decision that I wanted to experience something other than my oneness. Only what, only what he creates <clears throat> is his to decide. So, so my free will is what is it that I really want to create here because I have the capacity to create. The basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. Time can waste as well as be wasted. And this, for me, all this, talk about time is that <clears throat> all this happens in a split second. <clears throat> Excuse me. My memory of the truth of who I am happens in, in a split second. <laughs> and that's how I need to live my life within that memory. So it's, it's, the, it's the holy instant. It's the moment. It's this holy instant, this moment where I remember the truth of who I am. Um, that is real. That's the only thing that's real. And everything else is meaningless, which goes along with the lesson 
of you know my thoughts are meaningless unless i unless i make them meaningful by taking it personally when i take something personally as soon as i take it personally i i see the connection of me beginning to judge so as long as i don't take anything personally and know that my thoughts are meaningless um and that god has the final say here in giving me the holy spirit so that i can stay in the moment what takes me out of the moment uh, is are my judgments of myself and of others and that always is connected with me taking something personally i'm complete Oh, thank you, Sandra. That's really an essential point, isn't it, about judgment? Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Good, Good morning, it's Karen. Um, paragraph 90, until the separation, which is a better term than the fall, nothing was lacking. That's why I love this course so much. You know, the fall implies the guilt and hopelessness, you know, like there's no autonomy, there's no, there's nothing we can do on our end if we've fallen. But when it's a question of separation, we just have to choose again. And I love, love that the course um, changes the the focus of the belief system from the state where we're powerless to a place where we have a choice. Um, That we act, that each soul, each person, acts according to a particular hierarchy of needs that he establishes for himself. Once again, it's putting the power back into our hands. You know, that we've created this dynamic of what our needs are, what, what we're lacking, it's all in our own minds, in our own perceptions. And that the only thing that needs to be corrected, the only thing we act, we actually need is to change that sense of separation from God to the perception of the truth. Um, I, just, I just love the Course because it just uh, heals all of those fearful guilt written um, Catholic things that I was conditioned to believe once upon a time as a child and complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, I love that too, the choosing aspect. Go ahead, Oh, sorry. I went back to 87... Um, and think about um, the basic decision of the miracle-minded is not to wait on time any longer than is necessary. And in myself, I substituted not to wait on time any longer as not to wait on people any longer. If you can do something that will actually be positive, in your environment, um, then you've been, uh, uh, I've been called to do it. 
that I don't have to uh, be passive in a situation waiting for someone else to see something when I can actually move the, <clears throat> move to make that happen. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is Donna. Paragraph. Hmm. Paragraph eighty-four. <clears throat> Much. Let's see. By collapsing time, it literally saves time. Much as daylight saving time does, it rearranges the distribution of time. When that was read, I said, oh my God, it just establishes in words the irrelevance of time, period. We know it has no reality in reality. And um, Jesus often talks about collapsing thousands of years but we do it even in this dream. We take we 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 say time at this long is this this point in the day, and and another time it's another point in the day. So it really has just made time basically useless. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Donna. Excellent point. Thanks. I think this is this is Sandra. It was I think it was Robin Marie who went before Donna, and she was uh, saying that you know that I'm well. This is how I heard it. That I'm responsible. That I can meet my needs. I do have needs because I am having a body experience. Um, but the whole lesson of seek not outside yourself, that I have the capacity for self-empathy, for taking care of um, being responsible to meet my own needs, because I can. And I'm so grateful (laughs) that I can. I'm complete. Mm, Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Hi, this is Diane. I was just really um, taken back by number 90 when it talks about um, uh, after the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. Our choice. We did this. That's where ego stepped in and the fight that we have with ourselves all the time is the the ping pong game between our needs and Christ consciousness. And I think it is the awareness that we're in when thoughts come up to choose again and to see this differently. 
um, becomes a powerful factor in how we motivate ourselves through each day. So that whole chapter, um, paragraph 90, was just like a trigger for me today um, to rethink and think again, choose again. I'm complete. Thank you. Mm, thanks, Diana. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Good point. Hi, it's Karen again. Um, I'm just thinking about the shift from the horizontal to the vertical perception. Um, I guess people who studied the course for a very long time already completely understood this, but time being horizontal, that's the ego reality. But the vertical perception is more like the yogic perception, like in my um, past understanding of the chakras, like one through three, one, two, and three are the ego dimension. That's um, survival, emotions, the conditioned mind. That's my ego. And then fourth chakra is when we step into the Christ consciousness of the heart. And so that's the shift into vertical perception that the miracle um, introduces. And it's just a whole different um, reality structure than the ego reality of horizontal, horizontal time. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Karen. You make just, that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, it, it's addressed actually really well that relationship horizontal to vertical in Miracle Principle number 29. And um, it, it's just a one paragraph description that's so complete. Um, the principle itself is miracles are a way of earning release from fear. And um, I like to draw it. I mean, I'm kind of visual, so I draw. A, a vertical line and a horizontal line and where they meet I put a little dot that represents my awareness and it's pretty cool the paragraph reads revolution revelation induces a state in which fear has already been abolished in that vertical relationship of uh, capitalized self to God uh, there is absolutely no fear only total love so then he says miracles are thus a means and revelation is an end in this sense they work together miracles do not depend on revelation so the the relationship on the horizontal axis of of the vertical to horizontal where I'm in the middle is miracles on the horizontal axis are a way of establishing relationship, a relationship of truth with myself interpersonally in my own mind, as well as interpersonally with all the souls God created. Miracles, remember, are a way of 
correcting my relationship to any brother by choosing a loving expression rather than a loveless expression. And every time that choice for a loving expression is made, it blesses both the giver and receiver in the horizontal axis. And that sudden shift to love without fear induces a state of revelation where I become aware of all love is God's love and my love for this brother is God's love. There's absolutely no fear associated at all. So miracles shift me from the horizontal relationship with creation into the vertical relationship of revelation with the creator. Um, the whole paragraph then reads, Revelation induces a state in which fear is already abolished. Miracle, miracles are thus a means, and revelation is an end. In this sense, they work together. Miracles do not depend on revelation. They induce it. Revelation is intensely personal and cannot actually be translated into conscious content at all. That's why any attempt to describe it in words is usually incomprehensible. Revelation induces only experience. Miracles, on the other hand, induce interpersonal action. I make a choice for a loving response to my brother. Miracles are more useful now because of their impersonal nature. In this phase of learning, working miracles is more important because freedom from fear cannot be thrust upon you. So when you emphasize, I make a choice, Diana, you're choosing to express yourself lovelessly because you've done that, you've made that decision in your mind. You see what I'm saying? So making that choice for a loving expression, which is a miracle, not only induces the correct relationship between my brother and I, but it also is a means for restoring that vertical relationship of oneness with the Father. So thanks, Karen. That was um, a really excellent point. And with that... Um, here we are at the top of the hour, and Donna this morning volunteered to lead our lesson reflection. So um, I'll turn it over to you, Donna. Thank you very much. Mm. Thank you, Lori. I'm going to read paragraph five from the review. <clears throat> review one. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you, and to heal distress and turmoil. This is not done by avoiding them and seeking a haven of isolation for yourself. You will yet learn that peace is a part of you and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are, so that your peace is everywhere as you are. And I'm going to reread each day's um, lessons first. I am upset because I see what is not there. I see only the past. 
My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see nothing as it is now. And today's lesson, my thoughts do not mean anything. I have no private thoughts, yet it is only private thoughts of which I am aware. What can these thoughts mean? They do not exist, and so they mean nothing. Yet my mind is part of creation and part of its creator. Would I not rather join the thinking of the universe than to obscure all that is really mine with my pitiful and meaningless private thoughts? We'll take a moment. Lesson 10 in the review of 52. My thoughts do not mean anything. I am complete. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Boy, uh, hi. Good morning. This is Ida. Um, Jesus is really fond of telling us in thousands of ways, it seemed like literally in this course, there is no time. And one way that he's saying that now in these early um these early lessons is by telling us that our the thoughts we think we think that are we know from a, a future lesson are not really the thoughts we think with God um, are about the past and since the past doesn't really exist um, those thoughts are meaningless thanks I'm complete Thank you for that. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Um. We did this this morning with Reverend Pam, so it's interesting that I'm getting a totally different experience of this lesson right now. Um, there's a, a thing where you say, uh, you know, writing down the word honey on a piece of paper and trying to eat it, you can't taste the sweetness of honey. It's just a thought. It's a concept. And that was kind of my experience just now. Like I was thinking... You know, my thoughts about the vertical versus the horizontal plane do not mean anything because 
It's the experience of it. It's the tasting it. It's the beingness in it where the, you know, the miracle, well, I won't say miracle, where the glory is, um, the glory of God, the revelation, the place that's beyond words is in the experience of it. Um, and my my thoughts don't mean anything. So I have to learn to step back and just witness them. And then there'll be a place in the time where I can see where which are God's thoughts and which are the ego's thoughts um, by, the, by how much holiness and truth they possess. But, but that's not what this is for. This is to deconstruct the, the reality that I give to things that are meaningless and untrue and complete. Thank, Thank you, you, Karen. Karen? This is Donna. Uh, paragraph, uh, paragraph 88. Uh, that paragraph it talks about the equity uh, um of talents, basically. I mean, that's what I kind of understood it. Equality and pay and talents. Um, anyway, from from thinking about talents, it came to me that uh, some some develop their talents. Some develop their talents, and 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 some don't. But what occurred to me is we all have. All the talents, they're just latent. And some of us choose to develop them and, and, um, or not. And from that, I also uh, heard a scripture yesterday uh, about gaining. Jesus said you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And it gave me, uh, for some reason, <laughs> a new realization about soul. So... And thinking about um, the talents, um, so it says we can gain the whole world and have everything at this level, all the gold and silver, everything, and it can hinder. Um, it can hinder our soul awakening from from the sleep. And then in ninety, uh, it says. Uh, Behavior itself is not a divine attribute. And what a beautiful realization that was for me because it means I do not have to correct one kind of behavior with another kind of behavior. That this just tells me, oh, I don't have to change that attitude. I have to understand that's a behavior. Now, I can work to replace that behavior with a behavior of being a nice little sweet thing, or I can just understand, wait a minute, behavior is not an attribute of God. I don't have to pay attention to that. What I can pay attention to are, are my divine qualities of, of uh, peace, uh, friendliness, just, just being those things. So it, it gets... It gets it gets programming the body out of the way so I can let my divine, and I think the fruit of the Spirit in Scripture, 
would be, you know, gentleness, kindness, uh, merciful, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, that that's what the focus can be because that awakens, further awakens our ability to awaken from the dream. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Yeah, this is Charles here. Um, I just, the, the young lady before Donna mentioned about deconstruction. And I, like, I, I love the idea that this lesson here, my thoughts do not mean anything, is a, a deconstruction of the external that my thoughts give meaning to. And as I deconstruct these thoughts within me, or uh, ask to have them deconstructed, would be a better way of saying um, through forgiveness, and realize that what's inside is more real than what's external. Then it's no longer a horizontal reality, but a vertical, because it's always from the inside out. It's awareness of an inner reality which affects the outer rather than the outer affecting the inner. And I feel these lessons really uh, give the experience of that by applying that. It's one thing to intellectually know it, but to actually experience it, that's the miracle, that's the collapsing, that's the deconstruction. And to be able to apply this and to experience it as a true within a truth within each of us, um, we come to know the reversal of thought that the outside's not the determiner, but the inside's the determiner of what we experience outside. Yet it's we are so convinced because we are so identified with the form that the form has given us this experience and the people outside are affecting our decisions that we don't really see our part in the whole. I thank God for these lessons to apply them and to realize within myself the effects they have through their application. With that, I'm complete, and I thank you for sharing. Amen. Thank you, Charles. That was an excellent emphasis on how my inner world uh, affects the perception of the so-called outer world. Um, Good definition of perception. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charles. That was just absolutely perfect. It really gave, uh, I don't know, it really gave form to the whole idea of of the vertical versus the horizontal. Um, I just really quickly wanted to share that 
while you were talking, I remembered a time I went to court with my brother and he was, I don't know, he was in trouble for something, but I went, I got him a lawyer and I went to court with him. And all I did was feel my heart chakra the whole time and I just felt the light going out and filling the courtroom. And it was like the internal experience. I was just being present with the love in my heart and expanding that and extending that. And there was this whole external thing going on, you know, but it was living in that moment from the heart. And that was the only that was the only place of awareness, you know, and of course, everything turned out whatever perfectly as it was supposed to, I guess, because I don't even remember any of the details, but that one feeling of just being in the room and extending the light and the love from the internal, I'm complete. Thank you. Mm. Beautiful, oh, what a beautiful smile. example. Yes, yes. Thank you, Karen. What a wonderful smile you brought to my heart. Thank you. Well, Karen, your share <clears throat> reminded me of um, several things, but first of all, uh, there's a lovely quote um, that that really emphasizes what's going on in this relationship of my awareness vertically and horizontally that you highlighted. The quote uh, is from Chapter 4. 
and it says God has kept your kingdom for you but he cannot share his joy with you until you know it with your whole mind even revelation is not enough because it is communication from God it is not enough until it is shared God does not need revelation returned to him which would clearly be impossible but he does want revelation brought to others this cannot be done with the actual revelation because its content cannot be expressed and it is intensely personal to the mind which receives it it can however still be returned by that mind through its attitudes to other minds which the knowledge from the revelation brings it's another quote that emphasizes uh, what's going on at the intersection between the vertical relationship my mind with the mind of my creator and the horizontal relationship my mind in relationship to all other minds um, in my little diagram which helps me organize my thoughts of this access point the little dot that exists where the vertical line meets the horizontal line I like to think of that little dot as my awareness of truth and when he talks about peace to me and joy and love he's talking about the access that my mind has to awareness of truth and that truth he says um, is communicated directly through the Holy Spirit to my mind this truth about the right relationship or the true relationship of the father to the son yesterday was the first time he started talking about Holy Spirit um, previously referred to as the spiritual eye um, and he made the point when he introduced that that it's the function of the Holy Spirit to communicate this revelation this voice for God to my mind the quote I just gave um, he says revelation is not enough until it is shared so in my little access point of horizontal to vertical I'm given to know that there's a right relationship or a true relationship that exists between my mind and my father and my mind and all of creation that relationship at the little dot where they meet is a relationship of true equality right relationship of love to all my brothers and all of creation as well as to my father which is intensely personal and cannot be communicated so if I want to stay in that right relationship with my father which is um, well <laughs> I'll tell you what I think about that but um, there's three lessons there's only three lessons in the book in the whole workbook 365 lessons 
there's only three lessons that are totally unequivocal. That means they're facts. One is lesson 74. There is no will but God's. The second one is lesson 127. There is no love but God's. And the third one is lesson 200. There is no peace but God's. And so, to me, uh, the way I think of it is in right relationship with my father. I will realize my father's will and mine are one. That I will experience the love of God in that right relationship. And that right relationship is characterized by complete peace. All of that the Holy Spirit brings to my mind when it's open and undefended. And that experience um, of that relationship, horizontally and vertically, to me is what he means by I will accept atonement for myself. That right relationship of my mind to my Father and my right relationship of my mind to creation horizontally and vertically in order that I maintain that relationship or accept atonement or choose atonement he says in in principle 50 the miracle is a learning device it's a learning device that lessens the need for time and then he goes on to say that right relationship of my mind to all of creation and right relationship of my mind to all of my brothers and all of my brothers collective awareness of the totality of love held within the mind of God might seem to take a long 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 time in fact when I think about it um, you know, give it just a little bit of thought when he talks about, would I rather not join the universal thoughts? Would I rather not join the thinking of the universe than entertain my private thoughts? What he's really saying is, would I rather not join all of creation realizing that you contain God and you contain God and everyone brings Christ to my awareness? Um will not be complete until every mind has that same experience that may seem to take a long 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 time but any time I have that experience of oneness with a brother that brings healing to my mind and that brother's mind simultaneously I've lessened the need for time it might have taken a thousand years for my being <laughs> to recognize the oneness with a brother or he to recognize his oneness with me but if I make a choice this is what a miracle is miracles are thoughts they're loving expressions if I make a choice to say I prefer a miracle to what I'm experiencing right now then I am learning I'm listening learning and doing I make a choice to do or as I'm guided he says um, 
In fact, he says, a miracle is a correction factor introduced into false thinking by me. So I'm choosing to ask for a miracle. I'm choosing to ask for a different way to express our relationship. I'm choosing a loving communication as directed by Holy Spirit instead of my own false thinking. Every time I do that, there's going to be a collapse of time that may have taken a long, long, long time for this brother to realize oneness with me. I'm making a choice and time is collapsed within that interval. Um, furthermore, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say is that Miracle Principle 51, the miracle is the only device at my disposal for controlling time. Controlling time, um, I have an example. Um, and I've shared this before, but it illustrates the point so perfectly I just can't go there, can't avoid going there. Um, my brother was an alcoholic and had been in jail and had been the so-called black sheep of the family, it seems, from the time I was three and he was two. But he had a whole different experience in our family than I did because he had a different set of expectations and they were um, placed on him in a different way than they were to me. And he could never meet the expectation. So he became an alcoholic and, and never experienced, or it seemed as though, I'm going to say, uh, he never had the same relationship with the family that that I did, or my sisters did. Anyway, he was in jail, and, and at the time, nobody wanted him to come to their house to get out of jail. He had to have a residence and somebody willing to give him a home. So anyway... Um, I knew that that needed to be done, and and I chose that, in spite of resistance, that our home be his home. And um, before that happened, um, before that happened, he was um, feeling that sense of separation, and I was aware of that separation because of some other things that had happened to the family. And the family had decided, no, he can't join us when we go to when we go to the lake. Okay, it's the big summer thing, and um, and I knew that wasn't right either. <laughs> and so, um, as it turned out, there was an incident where we were all in one place at one time. And um, I'd been aware that something needed to be done, and I was guided to, I was even given the words to pray, actually. Um, pray, pray, said the angel, for mom and my brother to be wrapped up in a pink blanket of love and heal their relationship. It wasn't long after that, uh, he called, and, and, um, was feeling really broken and was thinking suicidal thoughts and and I said, God Matt, you know, I was I was really really praying for you the other day that you and mom be wrapped up in a pink blanket and you realize you're loving a relationship and he said, You know what? I can't believe you just said that. But I woke up 
someplace where I didn't know where I was this morning in the back of somebody's convertible and I was covered with a pink blanket. So when he says a miracle is a correction factor introduced into false thinking by me that acts as a catalyst to change erroneous perceptions and place them under the atonement principle, that principle of oneness where I was healed in that relationship with my brother and my mother. My brother was healed in his relationship to himself and God and his relationship to my mother as events turned out. Um, I think it's a perfect example. Of, he might not have gotten sober for many years except for that event. He might not have realized a loving relationship with my mom except for that event and I might not have realized that um, our family indeed had a loving embrace for him when he so needed it um, and so a miracle a choice for a loving expression under guidance will bring about that healing of my mind of my relationship in myself of the relationship I have to creation and also another mind will join my mind at that little tiny dot of awareness of right relationship between my creator and all creation I think it's a perfect example of of using a learning device or choosing a learning device to bring about that kind of healing and to collapse time and that's the sum total of what I have to offer this morning. I'm complete. Yes, thank you. You are complete. Amen. That was a beautiful example of the miracle. Thank you so much. To me, if I may, Laurie, it was a beautiful example of thought reversal, how the inside affected the external. The external. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, guys. So powerful and so rich. It was an experience. And thank you for holding space here on this call. Mm. Yes, really. Bless you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. This is Donna. And your speaking today took me back to our November the 25th uh, study where you talked about the dirty window. And it must have been in that study that you also mentioned Lesson 74, 127, and 200. Today, mentioning it again with just the main proper words, will, love, and peace, just was so uh, awakening and elucidating to me. And um, so that's, that really blessed me, and it reminded me that the day before yesterday I made a verbal commitment once again, <clears throat> which I also it becomes my, it's become pretty much my behavior. But I said to Jesus, I choose to be available to you, Jesus, for miracles and to the Holy Spirit for guidance. And, um, and that lets me 
just be, and it takes all the human responsibility from me to be that because I just let that be and have faith that uh, that uh, I'll be available. I think you said something else that day, and I think it's worth mentioning, or at least it's how I heard what you said. And I, I, I have read this before. Thought is a finished creation. I am, or we are, I am an individual, unique, created thought of God. Every thought of God is equally a unique creation of our Father. Only God has thoughts. We share those and extend those because our will is one with our Creator. And I opened the book today to look for what you were reading in Chapter 4, and it opened to the opening uh, uh, paragraph 69. All things work together for good. There are no exceptions. I am complete. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Donna. There are no exceptions. <laughs> thank you. question. Um, maybe, Lori, you could say something about this. Um, in one of the miracle principles we just read over the last few days, I think, um, it said that 
to let the Holy Spirit or let Jesus choose to whom miracles should be given. And it's kind of confusing to me because, um, well, I'm expanding my understanding of what a miracle is. Um, I know that we've just read so many so many descriptions of what a miracle is, but what feels like I've understood so far really in, in, in an integrated way was that it's a change in perception. It's a healed shift in perception and in um, relating to the world. Can you say something about what Jesus means when he says heal direct miracles? And what are those miracles? Are those miracles like changing water to wine? I mean, I don't, I don't really think I understand. I'm complete. Uh, I didn't catch what you said about uh, the word right before direct was what? I, I think it said that, that he'll direct miracles to whom miracles should be done. You know, otherwise oh, miracles sure. is wasting their... Yeah. You know, but I thought a miracle is for everyone all the time. And so I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. You know, I didn't understand that one for a long time either. Um, but a couple of years ago, maybe just last year, um, I've, I've been talking with a friend and, and I, I really wanted this friend, I wanted this friend to know and experience the same experience of God as, as, that I was having. I wanted this friend to know the love of God and, and that I love this friend. That's what I wanted. Um, and, and I felt a lot of energy for that. Um, you might say that sitting there with that friend, I was feeling that my friend was lacking love. This is my mind I'm talking about. Um, and I wanted something for my friend desperately. But the thing was, I was experiencing a lack. In my mind, I thought my friend was experiencing a lack of love. And so I asked, um, I asked, oh, how I asked, what should I do? What should I say? What should I think? Where should I go? Um, and, and suddenly one day it came to me, that lack, that feeling that my friend had a lack, was in my mind that this friend who I thought was experiencing a lack was already part of me and part of God and it was my awareness of that fact that um, needed healing you see what I'm saying I thought my friend had a lack nobody has a lack you're absolutely right God loves um, and conveys love to every soul constantly uh, through Christ's mind there is no lack if I think there's a lack the gap is in my mind okay so it was my mind in that case that needed to be healed but furthermore um, he addressed the fact that um, I wanted I wanted an experience for my friend 
And I took it. I, I prayed, and I took it to a holy encounter one day. What should I, how should I address this? Is there some action that I need to do? And Holy Spirit gave me the perfect image, uh, the perfect thought, the perfect idea um, that answered my dilemma. And what the answer was, do nothing. Do nothing. <laughs> and I said, you know, I argued about that. I argued with the Holy Spirit about that. And my argument with Holy Spirit was, um, but you said if my friend asks for anything, I'm supposed to give it to him no matter what, even if it's crazy. I'm always supposed to help. What do I do with that? No. The answer was no. Unequivocally, do nothing. And so that's what I did. And that was a healing in my mind also because my codependent mind likes to do everything. <laughs> and, and an answer of do nothing was um, also a healing in my mind. You know, I'm not in charge of everything. <laughs> and, um, and as it turned out, uh, my friend did have exactly what she needed. And it had nothing to do with anything I could offer. And so um, even the miracles you're not asked to do are a blessing, you see. Um, a miracle is always the correction. And who needs correcting but my mind? That's where the correction is. And when my mind is corrected, the loving expression that's required will be given me, I'll be told, and I'll know. And... Um, and so that's how I'd answer that today. I would not have understood that before that uh, that particular interaction. So I'm complete. Yes, you are. When you when you when you saw the the lack of love in your friend, isn't that the same thing as seeing everything as love or call for love? Call for I love, so. yeah. Call for love, yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you're saying you shouldn't have seen it as a call for love because you were seeing the lack. I I was seeing I was seeing um, I was it was my assessment okay my individual thought that my friend did not have a loving experience with God or with creation that was my thought I don't know if that's true. In fact, in that situation, I was told I was wrong. Um, and to me, that was the miracle because my mind was corrected. Um, and as it turned out, it was the biggest miracle that I've ever had in my life, <laughs> actually, um, because I was told not to do anything, that everything was already perfect, that this soul is already part of my soul. And if this soul is part of my soul, then there is no lack anywhere. And, um, and, and actually, it was the biggest experience I ever had of um, capital S self that we belong to and contain each other. And that's a fact rather than something I need to make happen. I'm complete. Amen. Reminds me of the Tao. In the Tao it says, I do nothing and nothing is left undone. Mm 
it's uh, it's a beautiful lesson for the definition of forgiveness in the Course of Miracles in the workbook says what I thought occurred what I thought my brother did never occurred it's always what I thought about my brother that never occurred and the corrections always done within me that's why it's an illusion because it's an illusion I hold about my brother that's not true and that's where correction is made within my error of what I feel my brother needs for if I truly love and embrace him and hold him in the light like you did in that court that day and hold the light in the space and the love there is no lack there is only love everywhere and holding the light as Lori does for us here fills us with the blessings and the fullness of being mm-hmm. and we are truly blessed in our sharing we do together uh, miracle is a, a correction of of our own thinking and that's why it says Jesus says earlier on in the course that your there's three steps to miracles the first two are our responsibility first is to be ready the second is to be willing and the third one which is doing of it is under his control the first two steps is get us ready get ready minded second is to be willing and the third is to ask for direction as Laurie was uh, asked for directions and, and correction was made where correction was needed Amen. thank you Charles Also, with reference to the story that Laura shared just now, um, in the course, it does say, if you'd rather ask something of you to do it, unless it's something that would, you know, even even if it sounds crazy, do it, unless it's something that would hurt either you or your brother. So, you know, that's got to be up to your judgment, your dis, uh, discernment, whether it would hurt you or your brother. A lot of times it's really obvious. Maybe sometimes it's not so obvious when it has to do with boundaries, maybe, or stuff like that, you know. But I trust that everybody here is, is discernment is, is guided by the Holy Spirit. And what it, that's wonderful. What else could there be? What yeah. Thank you, Uncle Pete. Thank you. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Yeah, discernment's a good word there, Ida. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ida. Good morning. It's Patricia here. Oh gosh, do I ever thank you, Lori, for all this sharing? Because uh, last week, whatever that last. Actually, the power went out when I was on a call with you guys last week, and the power has not been back on until today. So when I have lost time, 
because that um, the miracle was total when uh, time ended, when it was uh, dark all the time. So I'm under that atmospheric river here out at the Pacific coast, and I'm in a little cabin out in the woods. And so even as Charles said, be prepared, I could hear my angels dancing with, how prepared we gave you, Patricia, your whole life to love nature this way. You've got wood stacked outside. You've got food, and you've got herbs in the ground, and you've got roots in the cupboard, and you're so prepared for no power. Well, it was kind of a poem of laughter, Charles, that I was so prepared until the mm-hmm. the phone and everything was dark the second day and the second night. And then I could only hear that voice that Lori is so often and all of you are reminding me that that is mine as well. Is it the there is no will but thine. So that's the do nothing time. And so on that second day, you know, I realized, oh my, you know, some food may go bad. Is there something to fix? Should I find out what the electric companies do? Is there? And it's all it was always Lori was the same for this last what is it five days of just night and day and do nothing except um, it was only there is nothing to fix. And that's where the miracle is. Total surrender to what is, my dear, there's nothing to fix. Well, you guys, the framework just tickles my ego today because it turns out Nobody knew I was even living in the cabin. They all thought I had departed because it was so quiet and still or whatever. I was so inward. As food got rotten, I fed the foxes and the and even deer came. And I was having my own internal heaven, occasionally asking, you know, when will, you know, this, turn back on and just keep surrendering. So I want to end my story with this wonder of that beautiful question of, you know, what does it mean that I will choose the one that receives the miracle? You guys gave me so much fun about what's going to happen now because we're still in this storm. So I don't know when I call you next, but One miracle has already happened because there were so many people around that didn't know Patricia was there. They one came and said, what in the world have you been doing? And I could see in his eyes for the first time that I had someone living here that was aware that I was fed by something else. And I I just said, well, I light this candle. And then, you know, I've been feeding the animals from the rotten food, and I've been doing this. And and there was just this kind of bewildered but very interested person. 
So I end with this uh, funny thing my angels do. They give me humor. There was a time when they used to say you take the horse to the water, but you cannot make him drink. That time has ended. With time now, honey, you are the water. And the miracle comes to you. Thank you. Oh, that was so gorgeous, Patricia. There is no need. What a perfect, perfect, perfect illustration. Thank you. Wow. It is. It's a wow for me, too, because, Lori, your story ripened this. Time simply is a ripener because I'm a constant eternal. So time is a little piece of ripening. And I think that one who came in knew something solid, that there's something that never needs fixing. And I think it's the first time. So I'm not directing it, and so it may go dark again here. But you'll know if I'm not on the line, I'm having a great time feeding the animals. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, you always live in my heart, Patricia. Thank you so much. That was great. Good morning. You know what? Can you hear me? Yes. Good morning, Mindy. Hi. You know, you all got something there, but I missed it. Patricia, would you be willing to elucidate what you meant by, you know, take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, and then he realized you were the water? I'd really like to understand your offer there. Um, Well, honey, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday or something. I was on this call, and the power went out. And I live in the country, and so I've had, like, several days of no electricity or phone or any connection at all, no running water or anything like that. So um, what I can summarize as the powers come back on today that the first event was somebody who came rushing to realize I had always been in this cabin, a neighbor, and they were all scurrying around with generators and emergencies and all kinds of problems. And uh, they didn't know I was in the cabin having them prepared to just be without the light as long as until it came back or whatever, but something, honey, in that um, came, and this is just through prayer. It says, now I want you to adjust this. You lived in the dark but fully lit, fully lit by being reminded because there were times I fought you guys and I got frightened too, but I was reminded like Lori. I, I asked and I heard do nothing. You know where to go be warm under that blanket. You know you've got that fire to make that broth. Do nothing. So I didn't go out to save anybody. Go, I could have, 
because I had enough fire to warm people that might have been out there cold. I could have been in that fix-it mode. And so the summary for me was this adjustment to just say, you may not understand this, Patricia, but just start doing it. Stop going out to fix it or to bring someone to, even when they're calling you, let don't leave. Don't leave the wholeness that you are. Don't leave the living that could say, the woman who could open the door and say, welcome. There is no problem here. Welcome. We'll make do with what we have. There's always wonder. There's nothing to fear. Welcome. And that's the living water, to be that right where you are, Patricia. And I'm 77, like, and out here, you know, the truth was honoring myself these past few days. I wasn't able to go be the warrior I was in this month. I was 37, and I had to trust that voice that said, do nothing. And I don't claim it would say that to everybody. But I think what it said to me was, do what I give you. Be whole within yourself. And that the horses will come and drink. And they will be whole within themselves. Don't go out and make the horse make you whole anymore. Be whole. You are complete. Thank you. That was phenomenal, Patricia. Yes. Thank you very much. Does this time collapsed? <laughs> beautiful Christ child that you are. Thank you so much. Well, thank you everyone who shared this for you. Gorgeous call. And it's time to end our recording, um, although I'm certain many of us will stay on the line for the after call. And um, in Chapter 5, he talks about healing and wholeness. And there's a section there called Time and Eternity. The section Time and Eternity is the only section in the book that's repeated. There's another section also called Time and Eternity. But in the first Time and Eternity, he says, appeal everything you believe is our problem. False beliefs, appeal everything you believe gladly to God's own higher court because it speaks for him and therefore speaks truly. It will dismiss the case against you, however carefully you have built it. The case may be foolproof, but it is not God-proof. Voice for God will not hear it at all because he can only witness truly and his verdict will always be, thine is the kingdom, because he was given to you to remind you what you are. Your patience which is with each other is your patience with yourselves. Is not a child of God worth patience? I've shown you infinite patience. 
because my will is that of our Father, who, from whom I learned infinite patience. His voice was in me, as it is in you, speaking for patience toward the Sonship in the name of its Creator. What you need to learn now is that only infinite patience can produce immediate effects. This is the way in which time is exchanged for eternity. Infinite patience calls upon infinite love, and by producing results now, it renders time unnecessary. Isn't that beautiful? That same time. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for your shares this morning. Beautiful call. Appreciate everybody who joins us. Exploring the one mind with us every morning. Thank you.